The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Through the world of Instagram, we're painted in this like, oh, you only see the highlight reel. I don't share everything. I think I share this much, you know, like tiny little bits and pieces. But I've been through some really tough shit. But like this one knocked me on my ass so hard. It was such a humbling thing that I just had this bizarre forced perspective. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, my God, I survived that. Hi, everybody. It's Kat Sadler, and this is It Sure Is a Beautiful Day. I've spent decades in TV broadcasting and conducted hundreds, if not thousands, of interviews in the span of my career. And on this show, the conversations continue. My goal is that every episode feels entirely brand new, but also like coming home. Let's get into it. everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh my gosh, it sure is a beautiful day when it's Valentine's Day. Welcome to the show. I am Kat. I am so happy you're here. Are you feeling the love today? I hope you are. I am feeling so loved. I keep jumping on Apple Podcasts and I'm getting some of the most thoughtful reviews from you guys, feedback about the show. And it's just really, really heartwarming. Sometimes I'm here on the mic and I'm like, is anybody hearing any of this? But you are. And the content, the conversations, they're really resonating with you. So that makes me so happy. Keep sharing the show. Keep sharing the show. And yeah, in the spirit of love, giving you a big virtual hug today. I am so stoked about today's episode with the world-famous Amber Lewis from Amber Interiors. So maybe you don't know a lot about this woman. Man, I didn't either. But I was so intrigued by her business. I am a mega fan. I, I own some of her pieces. I follow her on Instagram. All of her offerings and visual shares on social media, it's like she's she's enticing us with this beautiful, luxurious, chic, sophisticated home design world. And so I kind of like dream, of, you know, when I look at her her page. I just kind of, it's like comforting. It feels nice. It's kind of aspirational. I don't know about you guys, but I just love home design in general. I I have a decent eye. I have what I think is great taste. My home is mid-century modern. It's kind of California chic. It's a ranch. I take a lot of pride in my home and and how it looks, but I have zero like experience or knowledge or wisdom about the design world. So I had this idea to interview some female designers. And next week, I'm bringing on another wonderful woman, Maggie Holiday from Claude Home. But in this first part of this series, I think what started out as interest in design and thinking, oh, let's let's chat with this woman about this empire she has built and how she got started and hear her story. It really turned into just a very raw, real woman-to-woman get-down conversation. Amber has been living with MS, and I am just blown away by how open she is in this conversation about her disease, about her diagnosis, 
how she is living with it, how it has changed her life for the better. We hear about being a mom when she first gave birth to her daughter. She really struggled with postpartum depression, how that actually ended up propelling her into her career and everything that she's built. Speaking of building, you know, she really bootstrapped this business. That might surprise you guys if you look at her best-selling book, for example, or if you're going to her website. It's so incredibly luxurious. She bootstrapped this thing. She and her husband, they didn't borrow any money. She was damn near broke when she really started to create Amber Interiors. So I just find this conversation fun. She's such a girl's girl. I appreciate getting to know her and just having this opportunity. And I think you're going to walk away completely entertained and uplifted by everything you hear in the next ah, 55 minutes to an hour. And here she is. Enjoy. Amber Lewis of Amber Interiors. I mean, I bet you're so used to people like almost forgetting your last name because it's so synonymous now that Amber Interiors is in everyone's vernacular. But welcome to It Sure is a Beautiful Day. It is so nice to have you. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm very happy. And yes, actually, to answer your question, I make the joke myself. In fact, I think there's a hashtag where it's first name Amber, last name Interiors. Because <laughs> I don't even know if anybody knows what my last Do I even know what my last name is? I don't even know. I mean, it's just in Interiors. That's it. That's it. Okay. Well, I I can't wait to dive into all of the things and hear more about your story and hear more about your empire and what you've got planned for 2023. But I, I like to do, you know, just a good old fashioned female check in and just be like, how are you? How how are you really doing today? I'm doing okay. I mean, I, I can complain because that's my favorite thing to do sometimes, right? But no, I'm actually pretty pretty good. I was super sick last week. I we, I know we were supposed to talk. So I'm finally on the mend from that. And I don't know if you were the same, but I was sick since like November, honestly. Uh, uh, it's wild. It's been wild. You know, I was I was going to save this to later, but yeah. I, I guess that's a great point to get into health right away because yeah. the one thing most people might not know about you is your MS diagnosis. So yeah. I know you've spoken openly about just health in general and how, whoa, when you get a diagnosis like that, how your perspective, your approach to life, how everything just like suddenly is crystal clear in many ways. So was your flu in any way like part of your autoimmune issue or is it totally separate or, or like how is your health? So thanks for asking. I actually am on immune suppressing drugs. So like MS just for like a very quick back of the napkin, kind of like, this is the top level, how to explain it. Your immune system essentially starts attacking itself. It attacks your spinal cord and your brain and like your nervous system. So in order to calm that down, there's a, there's a few therapies, but one of the therapies that I decided to do was an immune suppressive therapy. So it basically tampers down your immune system, which is amazing because it tells my, my immune system to stop tackling my nervous system, mm. but it then kind of lowers your ability to fight everything off. So like prior to getting diagnosed, I feel like, and I'm not exaggerating, I was sick probably every two to three weeks and like, not just like, oh, I'm sick. What's wrong with me? It was like, I had strep and then I would have 
these like insane bouts of bronchitis. And then I got pneumonia and I just couldn't get well. Mm-hmm. And then all these other insane symptoms were going on with me. And so it was sort of like this demise of, I think in February of 2020, I had come home from New York and I definitely had COVID. Like I didn't, I, you know, I was in New York. I was there for like seven days. It was when New York was just like everyone had COVID and I got it. And it just really was like the last straw on a series of just like getting sick over and over and over again in that specific year mm. or 2019, that 2020. And then I was like super sick, got COVID. And then all of a sudden, like lost all the feeling. Basically, it started in my seat and then it went all the way up to my rib cage. And I just had like zero feeling in my entire body, which led me to going to get it checked out. They were like, yeah, this this feels like maybe it's an immune disorder. They thought it was this thing called transverse myelitis. Anyway, I went through every rigmarole, every test, MRIs, spinal taps, like the whole nine yards, and it came back. And they're like, well, you have MS. Luckily, I, I mean, I don't know if there's a luckily. I think in the grand scheme of MS, I feel like the doctor actually came in and said, well, you have just your run-of-the-mill standard MS. And I was like, is there a run-of-the-mill standard MS? And he's like, yeah, I mean, you don't have what they call progressive MS, which means I'm not going to be in a wheelchair, you know, anytime soon. In fact, I will never be in a wheelchair. I'm just telling the universe that now. Mm. But he was like, you're not, you know, at the verge of like being paralyzed or anything like that. You just need to figure it out. So that was March 8th or 9th, sorry, of 2020. And then the world shut down on the 13th. So. Oh my God. Holy it's been, hell. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Holy hell. Well, I, I know, you know, I've heard. I've heard people kind of go through metamorphosis anyway because of the pandemic, but then you've got the MS diagnosis on top of that. And by this point, you're running your wildly successful company. When it sinks in for you that, okay, now you're not just Amber. Now you're Amber living with MS. Like, where does your mind go? Like, are you just paralyzed? I, I mean, because unless you go through this, I can't imagine what you might feel. But were you in shock? Were you like, it's over for me? Were you like, this is the fight we're going to fight, baby? Like, or was it all those things at different times? I honestly feel like the universe works in really bizarre ways. And in a strange way, I had had symptoms for seriously six, seven years. And I was just the way that I operate was just ignore. I was on a mission. It was like, I have my daughter and all these things and my business and all of these things around me. And I was just so like hyper-focused on that, that that was all that matters. And it was to the detriment of my, truly like my health. Had I caught it sooner, would have been any different? I have no idea. But essentially when I finally got like that positive diagnosis that that was what was wrong with me, Conveniently, the world shut down on the 13th. So I had this forced chill out. I probably would have never gone down. I mean, here's what's even more wild. I built a house and it. we moved into the new house on March 6th. And I was already numb for like five days and I ignored it. I was like calling my doctor and trying to explain. They're like, you have to come in. I'm like, I know, but I'm moving and oh. have meetings and I can't move them. And she's like, okay, but you can't feel. 
And I'm like, I know, but, and it was all of these wild excuses. And then when I finally got this diagnosis, it was not only my world came crashing down, but the world actually stopped outside. So I was really able to take this blessed moment of, oh, can I cuss on this podcast? Oh, yeah. Amber, what are you fucking doing? Like your health, you're going to hurt yourself. You are not stronger than this disease. I mean, I am, but I'm also like, I have to succumb a little and I have to be realistic that like, this is my body's way of telling me like enough. You, you're actually down. You have to, you have to sit down and you have to stop. And so I was really lucky and I was very sad, very sad for, I would say like, Cause I was in, it did get to the point where I was really immobile. So I was having a really hard time when I had like that first really bad attack and got the official diagnosis. I couldn't walk very well. So I couldn't walk to the bathroom by myself. I needed help. Like I couldn't do anything, which was by the way, so humiliating. And so for someone who like prides themselves in being you know, so strong and I've got this and I'm so independent. I was on my fucking ass and I, I needed help. Mm. And it was such a, a moment of surrendering that I just had no control of that. I just had to like, let go, you know, and let it just let my family take care of me. It was just this like forced kind of change. And I was very sad for myself. And then I had this, like, I started to feel better maybe after a month or two, I was able to like walk, you know, I would have these like little milestones, like walk to the mailbox and then walk to the stop sign at the end of the street and then walk to the end of the block. And I was doing those. And every time I would accomplish something, I was really proud of myself. And it was then that I was like, okay, I survived that. Like that was hard. I've been through very hard things. I mean, through the world of Instagram and like even through whatever we're painted in this like, oh, you only see the highlight reel. I don't share everything. I think I share this much, you know, like tiny little bits and pieces. But, you know, I was, I had been through some really tough shit, but like this one was knocked me on my ass so hard. It was such a humbling thing that I just had this bizarre forced perspective. Mm. All of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I survived that. And how lucky am I that I was able to be given something that A, I could survive, right? Like I've got this. And B, I was given a pause that I had to take that I would have never taken for me to stop and really appreciate my life and what I'm doing. Like, why do I work so hard? Why do I hustle so much? What is it all for? Mm. Right? Mm. What is it? What do we do this for? Is mm. it... So yes, mm -hmm. is it for our own like bizarre, weird drive that we have like these boxes that we have to tick in our lives? Yeah, but it was at cost. Like we just like go through the motions every day, but we never have the ability to stop and go, Jesus, this is actually going to knock me out if yeah, yeah, and stop. So I sort of took that the MS as you know it's annoying for a lot of people, but as a as a gift. Because it gave me this forced perspective of like, wow, how amazing, right? Like if it all ended tomorrow, I've got this incredible life that I've created for, for my family and my daughter and for our employees and 
I've been given this gift to stop and like actually kind of smell the roses, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It's it's wild to think, why does it take a diagnosis, right, to have the unlock or to have the wake up? You know, one of my dearest friends was diagnosed with breast cancer, barely 30 years old, and yet she told a very similar story. She was like, I can't even describe the shift when like suddenly the the thought of life literally maybe potentially being taken away from you or or your ability to walk or these things and how quickly you're looking through a new lens at life. It's unfortunate that it takes that for some of us to, to see in a new and different way and to have this new perspective. I'm curious if for you, is that same lens that kind of wake up? Are you looking through that same lens now? Here we are two years later, two and a half years later. Does it stick with you? And are you, do you have a new appreciation for every day now? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it goes to a very like much deeper level than just like surface. Like instead of just obviously taking like the steps to take care of myself as best as I possibly can, I still have to work and I still have to travel and I still have you know, my daughter and I still have a thing, like all of these things that I still have to take care of, those will never stop. And there's still bumps in the road. That said, I don't have to, I don't have to look so negatively upon everything as it being like exhausting. Instead, I choose to look at it as, and I've always been a half full chick for sure, but I am able to see it for what it is and be really appreciative for what it is now and know that tomorrow is not guaranteed. And I truly have adopted that. Like, I only want to be happy if I can control it. I can't control some asshole cutting me off. I don't, you know, no one can. (laughs) Can I control like me waking up and choosing to be happy? Yes. Can I choose to live my life authentically and to its fullest, you know, within my capacity, 100%. Do I have the ability to try to be the best version of myself? Yeah, that has never left me since the diagnosis for sure. All right, everybody gather around. I want to tell you more about Monday. If you are sober curious, if maybe maybe you had a dry January and that's rolled over into a dry February, Monday is truly getting me through. By the way, I am now 33 days without a single sip of alcohol. So Monday has non-alcoholic craft spirits, literally mezcal, gin, and whiskey, which looks feels, and most importantly, tastes like your favorite beverage of choice. You can imbibe in all those wonderful flavors. Maybe you like a little smoky mezcal, or maybe you like the pepper finish of a good mezcal. I alternate between the gin and mezcal, to be honest. Monday has all that. Again, zero alcohol. Go to drinkmonday.co slash cat. You're going to get 15% off I even love the bottles. I love the aesthetic of Monday. It's got this beautiful like art deco glass bottle in different colors. And again, it's that feeling, that kind of like luxurious treat of a cocktail without all those ill effects the next day. Go to the website, drinkmonday.co slash cat. Check it out for yourself and get 15% off. Again, zero 
alcohol. Go to drinkmonday.co slash cat. You're going to get 15% off. Has anything surprised you in that, you know, people's response to your MS or family yeah. members or dear friends and like the way they interact with you or the way it makes them feel? I've heard people say who might have a life-threatening illness or something that it's like, please stop crying for me because it's actually now I'm taking care of you and I'm the one with the issue. Have you experienced any of that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I started to like really take on it feeling like there was a moment where I didn't really want, A, I don't, didn't want to feel weak. So I was such, you know, just taking care of so many things and people, right? Business aside, like also family and just everything else that I was so afraid to come across as weak because I knew how dependent so many people were on me. And I was like afraid of cracking their lives when I knew in my head, I was like, I've got this. I can be strong. I've done this before. I can bear the burden. But it was the moment that I kind of let, like I was telling you, let go and let people in that I realized that we're all so fragile. Like human beings do not have a manual. Everybody deals with trauma differently. Everybody deals with experiences and stress differently. And I used to just paint like everybody with the same brush. Like, what do you mean you can't get over this? Or what do you mean you're not ready to like move forward and everything's going to be fine? I think that way. You should think that way. And instead, I really have a deeper compassion for the frailty of humans, like much more than I think I would have ever had without this diagnosis. So yeah, it's frustrating when someone's crying or feeling like, you know, when I'm feeling like, oh God, exactly. Like, oh God, I want to have to take care of you. There's a level of compassion I kind of have. And I try to just say, oh, I'm really okay. Thank you for caring so much about me. And you are so entitled to be sad and whatever, but I feel like this is a gift or what. And I try to just like, let them have their emotions and you know, explain how I'm feeling in that emotion without projecting my emotion, like that they need to yeah. feel it. Why yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, what else can you do? That seems I, like a really good way to approach well, it. Right. It's yeah. just like, this is the shit that happens to people. Yeah. And my story is just, you know, one of millions of people that have gone through this in various forms and it's mm-hmm. tough. Mm-hmm. You and know. you are, you're on medication now and managing everything and, yeah. Well, glad you're good today. Glad we got you here. And, you know, hearing you describe a little bit about your personality and you sound as if like kind of you have a a thick skin, you're kind of tough. And, you know, I know from what I do know about your story and, you know, being raised in Malibu, but your dad was a contractor. You were working when you were young, you know, didn't love school, but had the job and were kind of out there, you know, learning and living what would become your work ethic. Can you talk a little bit about those early days before Amber Interiors when, I mean, did you even have a clue what you wanted to do when you grew up? What were you like as a young woman then? Yeah. My mom always is like, you came out basically like arguing, like you were a (laughs) woman child. Like I was always determined in whatever capacity, but I didn't really know how to channel that. So actually when I was a kid, I was a troublemaker. I was definitely 
very screwed up. Like, I mean, I say screwed up. I was, I did drugs and I was out of control and got into, I actually, I take that back. I never got into trouble. I managed to always never get into trouble. My friends would always get in trouble, but I was a troublemaker for sure. And it was, it was because I was bored. I was just Mm. very much like, my parents got separated when I was 12. We moved to a new city. We moved to Malibu when I was 12. And they literally like got divorced, you know, or separated almost immediately when we moved. And so I was sort of like left to flounder kind of on my own at a pretty young age, like 11, 12 years old. I was bored. I didn't like school. My mom was amazing and supportive, but she decided to go back to school and like get a degree degree. She became an esthetician and all these other cool things. But she was sort of like, you guys can figure it out. You're good kids. And we were, we were really good kids, me, my my brother and my younger sister. But as a teenager, and I have one now, my daughter's 13. So I'm like literally living through her eyes like, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky. You're like, actually have your head on straight. But she, she doesn't have that same personality. I was just like this ball of energy and like had to do something and I didn't really know how to channel it. So I channeled it into just causing destruction, pretty Mm, an mm. asshole for sure. But it was short-lived. I mean, it was like a very short-lived moment. I think I knew that like working was way better than going to school. And I knew that working would kind of keep me out of trouble Mm. if I started to focus on it. So that I, I was really lucky to like figure that out pretty, pretty young. I so appreciate you being so honest and open about that because, I mean, as someone who hosts a podcast and talks to a lot of really successful people, it is so common to hear from people like yourself say, I hated school. I was terrible at school. And, you know, having two kids myself, 21 and 18, my oldest son is like, I mean, he changed schools probably 10 times. Like his education was one of the hardest trials of my life, just trying to find his way. And so why you you touched on it a little bit. You're like, I think I was bored. You think that was it? Like you just school for you. It didn't challenge you enough or didn't like you weren't wired that way. I just didn't feel like it mattered. I know that that's like the worst thing to say, because what do I know? I'm a kid, but I just felt like, okay, I'm learning how to dissect a freaking marine animal. Like, what do I, what am I learning here? I actually like the constitution. I was like, okay, I kind of of understand it. And and again, like it's, I'm not like dogging the constitution. I'm just dogging attention span. I didn't have that built in me. I was definitely more of a free spirit and I wanted to like create, give me art school all day long or give me like being outside or doing whatever. I could do that every day, but it was like sitting in a classroom and having to remember what people were saying that just I just didn't I wasn't good at tests I'm not good like at memorizing things I'm especially now that I have MS oh my god I can barely remember anything but I would you know it's just I wasn't a I went into school do you think you ever had ADD or ADHD or have you ever thought of that what at all I think the opposite I think I was like just a very I mean I definitely was just like the most anxious kid I've ever met and Mm. I think that it was being in a to be honest I think it was like being in a classroom and having like the fear of being called on to like Mm. a member or to like actually be paying attention (laughs) I wasn't I was just more social I was just a social little butterfly too I like friends with everybody yeah on the flip side of that 
you have said you still knew you were always going to land on your feet and you yeah. and you always had kind of an innate confidence about you, which I think is so cool. So when you did get out of the school systems, and I know you you tried a couple di different versions of school after high school yeah. that you dropped out of, thank God, because look at you now, girl. But I know that you fell in love and your, your now husband was a rock star, former rock star on yeah. the road. And yeah. at one point, your life was going to be like on the road with your man. Okay, maybe some kids. And, and that was going to maybe be the trajectory for you. But then you had your daughter and, and things really changed for you. Can you talk yeah. about how difficult that point was in your life and how really it was the impetus to lead you on your way to where you are now? Yeah. So I did have all these brand ideas about I was going to be like a mom and I couldn't wait to have a button. I say I was going to be a mom. That is the hardest job in the world. Hats off to stay at home moms. Like I, I, I was not cut out for it. Basically, as soon as I had Gwyneth, I started tripping out. I mean, I was super postpartum. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just was like sad all the time and I was anxious. I mean, talk about that. I was just not like settled and I didn't know what to do with all my energy. It was like the same thing. I was just this ball of what do I do? Oh my God, I'm like having to recreate my identity now and like making sure that this baby stays alive. Like again, like sort of in the same way I just channeled it into like, I had to do something and I didn't know what, but I knew that I was like kind of in the design field. I was working at a retail store and then worked for a designer for a little bit. And I was like, I'm going to just channel my energy into figuring out something in the design world. And that was more like my background. It's not like it just happened on my lap, but yes. So that's you'd what I did. You'd some experience. You'd kind of dipped in a little here and there, right? And you're like, oh, maybe I do have an eye. Maybe I have some skills. I didn't maybe go to school and have formal training, but you yes. knew enough. Yes, I knew enough. And I also felt like really confident in knowing that I was happier to like try and fail than I was to do nothing at all. And I was really stoked on just like, well, I'm going to just, I don't know, when she goes to sleep, I can't sleep anyway. So I'm going to teach myself Photoshop and I'm going to teach myself how to do WordPress and create a blog or whatever. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's kind of where it all started. But when she was born, I mean, I just, it just catapulted me into a different, I had a different responsibility. It was no longer like, obviously just me. It was her and, and my sanity too. I was like, I need to do something for myself. Yes. Yeah. I love hearing your story in particular because of what you have built and now where you are positioned in the world with best-selling books and all your stores and your clients and your projects and all the things. And the following, the people I was looking at your Instagram today, I was like, oh my God, like who doesn't follow you? You're like a household name now. It's so cool to see, but like this was not overnight. This was also not even, I'm going to borrow money. I mean, this was like bootstrapping 101, you and your husband in those early days. And you talk a lot about the many leaps of faith that you yeah. took to build Amber Interiors. Can you talk about the early like string of those experiences that luckily um, worked in your favor and has allowed you to continue to grow your business as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, I, when I first started out, I I just didn't like I always tell the story. I didn't really know what I was doing. I mean, nobody really does. We're sort of just on a wing and a like we're just figuring it out. Right. Mike and I bought a house. And so we 
basically like had zero dollars and we decided, fuck it, we're just going to do all of these DIY things ourselves. So I started essentially just doing these DIY things and sharing them. And it was back in the days of like blogs before blogs, like kind of started to fizzle out. And then Instagram was sort of just starting. So I would post things on there and people, and it was mainly just like Gwyneth at first. And then in the background would be like a really pretty rug and or a pillow or something. And I was always creating and collecting textiles and like all this stuff. So I had, you know, I had like a ton of pillows and I had like rugs and things that I loved. And everyone was like, what's in the background? It's so pretty. I love your house. Da, 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 da. So I started to kind of get the idea like, well, A, I want to do this for like a full career, right? I just want to be designing other people's houses, but I could be selling these things instead of just like holding on to them. Nothing's precious to me. I am like a lot shifted for Mike's career. So we kind of had to like shift a lot. So I was like, I need to sell this or something. So I would sell things and it sort of caught on. And um, that was like where the retail sort of side of it kind of came up. But when we first started, we ended up like doing all this shit to my house and then selling the house. And I, it was like right when my business was taking off and we were like back to like having no money. It was this weird time in life and we just didn't have shit. So we made money on our house and we like put enough money aside to live for one year, pay for preschool for Gwyneth for one year and pay for like an employee for one year and then give ourselves what was left, which was like literally nothing. And we survived on that until like I was able to turn that around and start making money. But I borrowed $5,000 from my grandma when I first started and I paid her back in six months with interest and I've never borrowed a dime since. And it's crazy. Like there's no investment behind the scene. There's no empty piggy banks. There's no parents with deep pockets. Like all of this has been created kind of through, like you said, bootstrapping and just pure grit. Like we now have a hundred employees that all need to be taken care of. And that like is on <laughs> me. So in the early days, I, I don't know. It was just like, adrenaline was getting us through. <laughs> I know that you describe yourself as a creative more than a business person. And there was a huge learning curve there for you. What's your special sauce? Like, why do you think, yeah. what do you attribute having rolled out the way you did and then just the climb and just growing, 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 growing to, to the point where you are today? Yeah. I think that I am an asshole if I start, like, I try to not say that I don't have like a business bone in my body, because that's actually probably not true. I think looking back and thinking about who I am, like I'm a savvy person. I'm not a dum-dum who just lets things happen to her. I'm very much like I'm a knock on your door kind of gal to get not even what I want, but to like make something happen. I'm very like much that. like it's not going to happen to me. It's I have to make it happen for me. Mm. And I, you know, I never stopped. So I think and and honestly, when Mike came into the picture too, him and I really like grew this company as such strong partners mm. to just like he took over where I lacked and I flew where I was like good at. So I think, I mean, even going back to where we started, like I am a people person for sure. And I think in the very early days, I was so engaging and I still, I mean, it's harder for me to be like that now, of course, just because 
not only am I like running a business that's crazy, but there's a lot of people that like, I can't always kind of comment and do that stuff. But I think I feel really confident knowing that when I started and like where I am today, like my personality has never changed, right? I've been like extremely authentic from the get-go. I've never been blowing smoke up anybody's ass. I've never been anything different. And I think that comes in like waves of people like accepting it and understanding it. But I think ultimately the through line has just been the same. Mm. And that maybe is the special sauce to answer. I don't know Mm. if it's, it's calculated. It's just Mm. sort of exactly who I am and who I've always been. And I think I brought that to the business table and I brought that to the brand. I mean, Mm. I don't, you know, like I said, I think maybe the reason why it's resonated with so many people is that it's, it's a, you know, the brand as a whole, like the design style, I think is palatable. It's always sort of been, it's a very palatable thing. It's easy to incorporate into your home and it just, it feels like it's a palatable thing, right? It is. Yes. A hundred percent. Right. It's like a good pair of Levi's. Everybody looks good. Yes. Yes. A good pair of Levi's, even a, maybe a redone version. A little extra special. (laughs) But the extra added thing on for me is maybe potentially like the relatability and just the authentic kind of, it's not even like a tried and hard to do it. It just did is who I am. And Mm. I sort of made sure that that was there. I don't know. Well, yeah, I think what you're describing makes total sense. Like the consistency, people know what they're going to get. I mean, they say that with any business, even with digital brands, like it's like do it again and again and again and be very clear on it. And it sounds like you always have had the vision and you always knew it was your vision and that's what you were going to execute. And it's lovely to hear that because it's not like you had all the distractions or the self-doubt where other people were going to zoom in and go, eh, maybe try this. Or, oh, maybe Amber, you should do this. You were very clear you have the clarity to go, here's what we're doing. And you stuck yeah. it out through those rough patches and and look at you now, which is awesome. And I, I, t- I tell people, I just did like this talk. And I one of the things that I said was, because people are always asking me, like, how do you grow your business, especially? How do you scale like a creative business? And how do you grow it? I said, stop looking at everybody else. Just look at your own path. Like, because there's, if you stop looking or comparing at everyone else's, whatever whatever anybody else is doing, you're going to just stay focused on whatever it is that you're trying to do. And I think that 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 is never wavered for me. Like I, of course, look around at like competition when it comes to like the stores and stuff. I have to. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like I have to know that no one's my brain and right. I have to be like more confident in myself to know that I'm going to come up with the new cool thing and then the rest will follow whatever. And like the rest of my career will follow kind of to that. And I just have to stay super focused on my own journey. Mm-hmm. That's really hard in this world because we're always so concerned about like what other people are fucking doing. And I don't know, maybe my lens has been cleared off really, but it's like so distracting when you look at everything else or what you think people are doing. I mean, even, you know, you saying like, you're so big and all these things like I'm, perpetually just like I I should be bigger or we should be doing this or that like I definitely have self-doubt and more of those goals like I I've never like laid over and just gone oh we're good you know every day I'm like I'm ready for the next whatever that is Mm, you're hungry you're hungry 
Well, and we're actually I mean, very hungry, actually. Yes. <laughs> and well, hungry. Well, yeah. Uh, well, somebody needs to feed you. Okay. I heard you say somewhere that you like the struggle, like kind of yeah. to your point, the goal isn't comfortable. The goal isn't getting to the one plateau and then chilling. Like you were kind of driven by the appetite itself. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm just a masochist, but I like a little tug and pull. I like to know that, like I say, competition with myself. Like I have dramatic issues with like, I can't do that again. I've already done that. I need to do this and we need to get bigger and better, whatever that means. And it's not like I like to be in pain or agony. I just don't like to be. I think when you're comfortable, you get complacent. And I think when you're complacent, things start to slide. And when things start to slide, it's a slippery slope. And, you know, you have to sort of stay in that not struggle, but like just a little bit of uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, that's where the growth is. No, I, I completely subscribe to that. I um personal pivot for myself, but like I I. I went through a really shitty relationship like three or four years ago. I had to do two years of healing. And then I met someone and fell madly in love about a year ago. So in 2022, I was on Love Island. I like checked out. I was happy. I was like in the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. But I was like, I got to get my ass back to work, you know, it, because I know what you mean. Like comfortable is nice. It feels really good. But it's you know, you can't you can't stay there. <laughs> you can't stay there forever. And and back to your point about what you're good at and the clarity and the the drive and the ambition and the moving forward, what would you say is your weakest link? What What's the part of you that you have to work on the most? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, we could be here for a whole other hour. <laughs> I, you know, I think ultimately the perspective of like getting sick and having to stop and all that stuff before then it was like gross. I mean, I was literally burning the candle at two ends and then just became such a shell of a human. I mean, I went through like, I mean, truly like you're talking about this like metamorph. I mean, I've been on this bizarre since I got sick, this bizarre journey. I mean, I just feel like I've changed so much. I've had to shed so many things and really try to analyze like, you know, the the parts of me that are truly unhealthy, like the the workaholic parts, the putting everyone else and everyone's like, opinions before my own to a de detriment that feels like even though that sort of it doesn't make sense like you're so driven and you're this yeah in business but in personal life I just kind of became like mute to what mm. I needed to be happy mm. and you know that is to my demise I think I've always sort of done that and I've always been so like concerned with making other people happy versus like my own self so I'm on kind of like a, a healing journey and I've really opened up some like portals of you don't want to see those corners of your your brain sometimes. You really don't. Like when you start to go, you're, God, I'm so neurotic or God, I'm so overbearing on myself, you know, and especially like when you become a parent, good God, like the, the patterns that repeat and like the things that you start to notice, you know, like making sure that you're not, we're all going to fuck up our kids. That's like, the whole a point. given yeah <laughs> but like how do you do that like authentically too <laughs> how do you fuck them I, up what's authentically? the way that your parents fuck you up like you want to fuck them up in a whole new way right and <laughs> what do you get it right with the way that you're gonna fuck your kids up 
I'm going to fuck them up on my terms. (laughs) I'm going to screw you up on mom's terms, okay? They're going to be a whole new host of issues that you're going to have. And I want to own those. And I want to know why I'm so excited to give you those issues. (laughs) Yes. I want my name brought up when you're in therapy, not your grandmother's. Okay. That's right. If I'm paying for your therapy, you're going to talk about me the whole time. And it's going to be all. No, but I don't know. I think it, I, there's so many. I it couldn't just paint like one thing that is my weakness. But I think over these last, you know, two, three years, I don't know. I just like opened up this Pandora's box of just like, shit, man, we are seriously all on a journey. Yes. It's a wild journey, too. Yeah. I, I mean, I really do think it's true. I'm a girl who worked in entertainment for 20 years and interviewing, you know, all the celebrities. And, you know, it was like about housewives and the Kardashians, and all this stuff. I couldn't be further from that right now. I feel like there is this weird energetic shift going on. It sounds like super crazy, but I do think like some of this is ordained in a weird way where we where everybody's kind of waking up a little bit to what matters. And wow. unfortunately for some, it might mean a health scare, you know, for other re- people, it's something else. But Maybe there is some good in it. And maybe like I I was thinking of, of your daughter when you said what you were going through, like the version of you that she's getting now. Like, that's incredible. Like, how cool. Well, and it's weird. She's in a weird spot. So she's 13. I'm sure you dealt with this, too. You have your public persona and then you have your private persona. And, you know, it's like I'm on a very small scale. So like I'm on television or anything like that. But the reality is, is like I no longer kind of live in my own bubble. I it's to no degree as anybody whatever, but like I'll go to a trade show or I'll go wherever the frick I go. And I live a little bit more like out there now. I was not attempting to have any of these things. So like this public persona that everyone sees versus the things that I don't necessarily always share. Like I have my days, I have terrible days. And then you like run into someone and they're expecting you to be the same person that they see all the time. You can't be that, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's tough. It's very bizarre. Or even more personally, like you're going through some other personal shit that you're not necessarily sharing with the world and you can't just, you know, you have to be whoever that person wants you to be. And Or do you? Ah, so here's the question, because I yeah. literally on my show this week is Tabitha Brown, if you're familiar with who she is, and she, her whole whole thing is about showing up as yourself and giving ourselves permission to actually like what you just described. How many women don't feel that way? We all feel that way. Like maybe I'm one way in front of my in-laws. Maybe I'm one way at work. Maybe I'm one way in front of my kids. Maybe like that's exhausting. And by the way, that's what makes people sick, right? Like we're suffocating. It's depleting. It's dangerous. Like it would be nice if we could wake up and go, or at least work towards like, here's who I am. You know, here's who I am. This is, this is who I'm going to be. And it might make you a little uncomfortable, or maybe you like me better this way, but this is who I am. And if you can lay all that down, how great is that? That's a real gift. Cause that's a lot to carry when you're doing everything else that you're describing that we all have to do as women, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's very much so. And I think you're right. It plays into every corner. It's like who we are to our kids and who we are to our whoever, who we work with, our friends. Like it, it is exhausting because I don't know, I'm 41 now, especially like as I get into more comfort with just like owning all of the shit that comes with aging. Yeah. You know, it's like, you gotta let it go. You just can't yeah. control the shit that's happening to your body, right? Yeah. And we're also worried, oh my God, I don't wanna sag. <laughs> yeah. 
fuck it. Like, I don't yeah. know. I don't care. I mean, I don't want to, but I still live in that space for sure. Like, I, yeah. Whatever. Think about all we walk around with. Like, you're just saying, yeah. like, yeah. I talk about midlife a lot. And I talk about this season of life for women in their 40s or 50s and perimenopause and all. Like, our bodies are changing on top of everything else we just talked about. Like, the fact we have to walk around and go, oh, am I going to sag? Do I want to sag? How can I not sag? Like, the, like th that takes up so much space. And it, it is reality. And it's part of being human. But it, it would be nice if we could figure out where to put that so it doesn't, it doesn't weigh us down. Yeah. And I think that might be the beauty of maybe this like middle age thing that we're going through. It's like there's this beauty and just sort of this acceptance, this surrender, yeah. just, just like, I don't know, this is who I am. And I think I'm learning how to do that, that personal life, public life thing. I'm just trying to figure out how to like blend it all. And yes, yes. Chapter. God. You know? I love this conversation. I feel like we haven't even talked about your business that much. And I, I that maybe that's, a gr I mean, I, not that that's not great, but like I've learned so much about you, the person, the woman. I have a quick little rapid fire we'll do before you go. That is maybe the most random thing of all time. But just before we do, as far as 2023 goes for yeah. your business and all of your fans and the people who are constantly waiting for every new drop and what we've got, footnote, like one of my favorite lamps I've ever had is in my kitchen. It's my little kitchen nightlight and I just love it. It was the first piece of yours that I, I bought that I just awesome. love so much. What's 2023 look like? How, what's going on over there at headquarters? Well, it's wild because I literally had this conversation planning all the way to 2026 today. So that's what's going on. It's like wow. a year and two years and three years ahead. I think because we're from the interior design side of it, we're building so many projects from the ground up. So those take years. So like when things kind of get debuted on Instagram or you see them, like they were literally designed six years ago and they're like finally coming out now because it took three years to build. And then it, like all of it is just yeah. such a yes. So this year is just like we started a whole new batch of projects. So like the next couple of years are just going to be rolling those out. I have... A couple of awesome partnerships that I'm doing right now. The rugs with Laloy is amazing. I did a lighting line with Visual Comfort. So those are like out in the world now. So it's just a lot of promotion and stuff for those. Mm. But I'm trying to take everything day by day, a little bit more than I have in the past. But yeah, that's what's going on. How do you take care of yourself when we as women look at someone like yourself from far away, you know, it's like, wow, they're doing so much. They're producing so much. They're so effective in their work. Are you able to be still? Are you able to take care of yourself? And what does that look like? Yeah. So not up until recently did I like demand that. And by demand, I mean, I literally have set my alarm or like I actually just inherently wake up really early. So I wake up and I know that no one else is awake for those like hour or two hours. I literally wake up at like five and I know my kids aren't getting out of bed until 6.30, 6.45, whatever. And so I have like that quiet time. So I use that quiet time. And I really don't do a lot except for I either work and get through emails if I feel inclined to do that. Or I get like, I'll do like inspiring things, like whether or not I'm pinning or whether or not I literally just sit there and read like trash news. I don't know. I just, that is like my time in the morning. And it's sort of, it's not, 
the healthiest thing, but it's the necessary thing. Like, I wish I was that wake up and start working out girl. It's not who I am. And I just like stopped forcing myself to be that person. <laughs> I'd like a wake up. I like to do nothing for an hour, drink coffee in bed with like a ton of creamer in it that I probably shouldn't be drinking. And then I'll work out or something later or get on the treadmill or what I want. I'll do go on a hike. But no, I like take that hour plus in the morning. Literally the way I take care of myself. That's it. <laughs> good, good, good. No, I love, so then what time do you go to bed then if you're getting up at five? I'm not even kidding. If it was up to me, I'd be in bed at nine o'clock every single night. And I try to like, I start my wind down. I call it like my nightly wind down, which means like I take a melatonin and a sleeping pill and I'm like <laughs> winding down, like I'm drinking something, whatever. <laughs> or eating a little gummy, whatever. I do. <laughs> That's my wind down and it starts about like 8.52. I'm like, oh, oh my God. that Because I know it's going to take like an hour until it all kicks in and then I'm in bed and good night. That's it. Amber, I fell asleep at 7.45 last night. Like I, 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 I was in bed and I was watching something, a show. I was asleep at 7.45 and I like woke up and I was like, can I turn out my lights and go to bed? I, I was like, I'm right there with you. Nine sounds beautiful to me. Like I can barely it's make it to 930. I, I'm no, like I'm no good to anybody. And I've tried to train my daughter. I'm like, nothing good happens after 11 o'clock. Just go to bed. <laughs> nothing to happen after 11, especially during the week. Like nothing. Oh my God. I'm like the girl who's at dinner by six o'clock. If it's at 6.15, I'm stressing out. Like I want to be digested. And asleep at nine o'clock. <laughs> same, same girl. Same. Yeah. Okay. Let me give you this most random little fun answer as quickly as you can questions. And we'll see what happens here. Okay. It's a little rapid fire with Amber Lewis. Better investment, sofa or rug? Oh, sofa. Who I'm sorry. Oh. Also rug. But sofa. <laughs> <laughs> sofa. Who had better style, Marilyn Monroe or Audrey Hepburn? Ooh, Marilyn Monroe. I like a little frisky girl, mm. little rocky. I am into her. Yeah. White Lotus, which was better, season one or season two? Ew, are you kidding me? I was like, I'm not going to, no spoiler alerts. Coolidge, call me. I just want to be her best friend. Like, you don't understand. I'm obsessed with her. I thought two was better. I did too. Coco Love Aubrey Plaza. I think so I got her. So okay. good. At first, I wasn't sure on season two. And then, woo, guys, stick with it. If you, you know, get through the first couple episodes, so yummy. Love that show. So yeah, like that was it. I was the same. I was like, I don't know. And then, oh my God, season two. I love so seeing Jennifer Coolidge, like having such a moment right now. She's so deserving. She's fabulous. With her. Yeah. Sunrise or sunset? Oh, rise every day. Better advice, breathe and chill the fuck out or there's no such thing as working too much. Wow. 2019, Amber, there's no such thing as working too much. 2023, Amber, breathe and chill the fuck out. When hiring for the home design biz, what is a better trait to possess in your candidate? Exceptional, enthusiastic attitude or skill set and experience? You know, at this stage of my career, I would say skill set and experience. Truly, because I, that's what I need. I just lack in that. And I got yep. enough characters. 
I'm enough character for anybody to handle. I just okay. need like really, really incredibly experienced employees. We don't need any personalities. We need <laughs> doers. Okay. You're building your dream closet. Three things we must have in it that are non-negotiable. Oh my gosh. So there has to be a lot of space for jeans. I have so many pairs of jeans. There has to be Converse because I can't live without them. And there has to be good purses. Is that so like boring? But that's that's all I care about. And no. Well, that's what I was going to say was fabulous about that answer is in my mind, I was thinking you were going to be like good lighting. I was thinking design of the closet. Like, oh, she's going to say no. good lighting and you need lots of hanging space. You're like, no, nah, I need my jeans. I need my Converse and I need lots of bags. <laughs> yeah. And space for jewelry, because those are like, those are literally, if I have any kind of issue, I have so many issues, but if I have big issues that I need to like cool it, it's shoes and jewels and bags. Mm. Really. I'm mm. just a chick. What do I want? Mm. Yeah. I don't even think you need to apologize for that. Like more well, power to you. You've certainly earned it, Amber. Okay. The only thing I'd spend money on that and food. <sighs> mm. Like where does it all go? Food and freaking bags. Are any of those bags bright colors? I'm curious. Or do you buy a lot of neutral bags? I actually have, no, they're all neutral pretty much. A lot of burgundies. Yeah, I, I, I think that's like interesting. I wondered how much your fashion sense reflects your design sense, like very similar aesthetics. Yeah, yeah. I think so. It's pretty neutral. Yeah, I'm really kind of, an, I mean, you can see it's all black pretty much as much as I can. It's just well, a good color. Everybody looks good in black. Totally. Totally. And everybody looks good. in. I think everybody looks good in cream, too. See, I don't think I look good in cream. I think I look better in white. But I because my skin is very fair. And if I yeah. wear cream, sometimes I look like I'm dying. But <laughs> there you go. Well, I think when I think of white. OK, maybe I'm like on your because I'm very fair, too. So I think I'm like a cream white, maybe leaning more white. Like a brighter cream. I not. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, it doesn't have too much yellow in it, but then also yes. like brightens your skin. I don't know. Yes, yes, yes. The single most interesting thing about you that most people would be surprised to know. Oh, my Lord. I'm a petrified of holes, tiny little holes. It's an actual phobia. I can never pronounce it, but it's like trypophobia or whatever. It's this thing where like, clusters of holes I can't even talk about and I'm petrified of them. <laughs> it's a really weird thing. Look at, I like don't even, I can't even say it because every time I have to look it up what it, what it called, then like tiny holes will come up and then I, I have to, I'm like sick for the rest of the day. It's the Oh my weird God, I've never heard of yeah. this in my life. When you say holes, do you mean like, like, like in the ground? Do you, holes in the, okay. like design? Well, the best way I can describe it is like a sponge won't freak me out. But you know how like there's a million holes in a in a sponge, but they're shallow holes. So you could see the bottom of it. Yeah. A piece of coral, like with all of those millions of holes, I literally will. I, I'm going to vomit even just talking about it. I can't. It's like this weird thing. I get like a pinpricks all over my whole body. I feel sick. <sighs> I start to sweat. It's like, <laughs> do you talk about that in therapy? I don't. I should. Going <laughs> to now. I'm really ah! scared to death of holes. But I also have 
Yeah, no, I'm just, we're just going to go with that as my weird okay, little trick. Okay, you know, I am, last, last question on that. Have you had that your whole life or did that come on later in life? Like, phobia. Whole, like as long as I can remember. Wow. Visceral responses to like certain textures and like certain way that people, okay, that's another thing. Like the certain way that people like describe stuff. I have like a real problem. With, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm sure there is some like trauma that I went through that's made me that way. But yeah, as far as like, and remember, I've hated tiny holes. <laughs> Interesting. Well, the good news is, is that probably doesn't come up that often in daily life. Thank God. Because how horrible. Oh it my gosh. A- okay. Last question. If there is a song that you turn up super loud to de-stress and move your body, what is it? Oh my gosh. So what? Uh, I don't I don't even think I'm like allowed to like this anymore, but honestly, it's awful, but like that Michael Jackson song and I can't even remember the name, but it's that one when he was like, "Don't stop till you get enough, but keep up." Do you don't stop? I can't even yes. I don't even know what it called it. Oh my but God. I feel like I like really need to just yes. I don't even know like I know we're not even supposed to like Michael Jackson, right? It's okay. His music stands for itself. I, I somehow I feel like it's at least better than R. Kelly. I don't know. It, yeah, it, it, you I mean, know, he's, he's a little bit like newer, awful. Yeah. So at least, yeah, like I, you know, I mean, kids. we grew up on Michael Jackson before that oh. was even before we kind of maybe know what we know. But I agree. That's maybe just "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough" is the name of that song. Or you maybe. know what else is a really good one? "Groove Is in the Heart" by. Delight. Was that what it is? Mm, that one? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't yes. know. Those are the ones I can like turn up and just get get crazy. It just And how often up. do you do that? Do you is that like a once a month thing or do you find yourself doing that more frequently? I think a secret love of mine is I love to dance. Like you get me out and go on a night dancing. It is my favorite thing ever. It's I'm a just a wild girl. Like in my Give me a bunch of drinks and a dance floor and I'm the happiest person ever. So I think if I can like con people to go dancing with me, that's like, that's all I need. I'm like the girl who likes to blast it in the car. And here's another thing. You know what? I'm going to give you guys like, I'm giving you so much right now. Give me, I know it's the worst thing and I'm probably going to be shamed, but oh my God, give me loud in my car. And if I've had like the worst day ever, give me a freaking cigarette. And the windows down. I know that's like so crazy. It's not like I smoke, but every now and again, I'm like, I need a cigarette and a cocktail and I'm good. And that's. Yeah. It's like very (laughs) Thelma and Louise of you. I love it. You're getting all the dirt, cat. You're here and I randomly will smoke a stove and (laughs) take a cup and drink a mark. You sound like a good time, Amber Lewis. I, I I didn't think I could like you more, but I think I do. I think I do. I think it sounds fun. Never, ever lose that. Yeah. Give me a dance floor, a cigarette, a martini. I, I mean, I'm just now I'm just now I'm just some kind of <laughs> trash. <laughs> I don't know. No, yeah. no. I think that's super sexy. I think it's like it's very uh, honestly, that's just a woman right there, you know, and we do it all. And you are proof of that. You're living proof of that. And you make it look really chic and fabulous and aspirational. So I'm just grateful we got the chance to know you on this level. Thank you so, so, so much. And thanks for having me on. And this was fun. It's like, you know, at 45, it's like an addition to my therapy session. I got two. Hey, it sure is a beautiful day. See what we did there? 
Sure is. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And a reminder, you can catch a brand new episode of It Sure Is a Beautiful Day every Tuesday. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And of course, I'd love to hear from you. So leave me a rating and leave me a review. Also, follow us on social media for all the behind the scenes action and more info. That's at I am Kat Sadler on Instagram and at ABD with Kat. Talk to you next Tuesday. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.